I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, welcome back to the Leaf Report podcast. James is currently eating holiday chocolates that I have in my place. Quality Street. Um, So we've been gone a bit, so... Happy holidays, happy new year. This is the first podcast, Leaf Report podcast of 2019, brought to you of course by Bab Socks, brought to you by The Athletic. James is wearing a nice new athletic sweatshirt. James, hi. Happy New Year. 2019, that's like isn't that the year that the old Blade Runner, that's when it was set, was 2019? Yes, I have not actually seen either of those versions. What? Yeah, should I should I see that? You haven't seen what? No, <laughs> I don't. You know what you should do? Read the book. The book's great. Oh, yeah, it's Philip K. Dick, who is amazing. It's uh, the book is called um, "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" Is actually the name of the book, and it's it's awesome. It's one of my favorite books. That's the name of the book. "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" Yes, that's wow. probably why they changed it for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would sell that well otherwise. It's quite a bit different, but I thought I I haven't read the book in quite a long time, but it's it's really really good. Did you watch any good movies over the Christmas break? I got two little kids, man. I don't. Oh. I don't think I watched any. Uh, you know what? We watched like some Christmassy stuff. I watched Die Hard. I watched Die Hard oh. on, uh, I think Christmas Eve by myself, or maybe it's Christmas Day. Christmas Day, I think I watched Die Hard by myself and had like huh. five rum and cokes, and <laughs> it was it was good. Do you watch that every year? Like no, every, no. It was actually Bruce Arthur was tweeting about how he was putting Die Hard on. I was like, yeah, whatever. And I went and I like bought it on like Google Play or whatever and watched See, it. See, I watched Home Alone, Home Alone 2 every Christmas. I just, it's so good. Like it never gets bad. I always look forward to watching it. It's easy to watch. My son's three and I bought him the Grinch and he literally watched that every day. So we got a lot of Grinch. It's not a bad movie. No, the cartoon, the like, the classic yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not the Jim Carrey one. I, I like that's. That's like, that's not canon. That like doesn't that that shouldn't exist. Yeah, Jim Carrey, he's gone off the rails. All right, let's talk some Leafs since some more we movies? yeah we haven't done this in a while. Um, so maybe where do you want to start? Do you want to start with William Nylander? Do you want to start with the All Star Game? Do you want to start with the goalies? Do you want to start with some Trevor Moore knowledge? Let's let's start with the goalies. Okay. So we know. Um, the Garrett Sparks, you may be listening to this by the time that Sparks has started his fourth straight game against the Wild. Uh, Anderson, a little weird coming out of the break. He practices on the Thursday. Uh, he skates Friday morning in Columbus. Then they don't play him that night against the Blue Jackets. Then the next day, it's revealed that he has a groin injury. Um, 
it's obviously a little concerning for the organization when their number one goalie goes out. What's kind of like, are you, were your alarm bells raised when, you know, there's a break and then he comes out of it and he can't play? So do you think that that means that maybe he's been dealing with something before that? Or do you think that he tweaked something in the practice coming out of, cause he, uh, coming out of the break? Parsing like what Mike Babcock said, it sounded like he maybe had been dealing with something mm-hmm. like he he said that all guys are kind of bumped and or bumped and bruised or whatever the phrase is mm-hmm. which made me think like this is a thing that they were monitoring and then he practiced that one day skated the next day and it wasn't good and they just said okay we got to cut it i actually think that and i'm not just saying this to be have a hot take or whatever i think it actually might be a good thing number 1 sparks gets to play a little bit more consistently and you can mm-hmm. kind of he can settle in a little bit more He's looked a little bit, I don't know if you want to say it, nervous or uncertain in the earlier games. Um, and you can see what he is. Like, you can see sure. if he gets a run of games and, and it's really bad, then, you know, maybe that tells you something about... I mean, they did go get Michael Hutchinson, which I like, who who was very good in the American Hockey League last year and who I expect is going to be the backup for Wednesday's game. Um the other thing I was going to say is that the Leafs have leaned pretty heavily on Anderson, probably too heavily this season. Yeah. So if they go into some of these games needing to play a little bit better than, especially defensively, than they have when Anderson's been in there and stolen some games, I don't think that's a bad thing either. Yeah, like I mean, Anderson was on pace to start like about the same number of games as last year, and that's like that's not necessary. They're at a point now where they shouldn't be doing that. Well, Chris Johnston pointed yeah. out that they had no goalie had started 65 plus three years in a row, and Anderson's yeah. done it the last two years. So. Well, and that's that was like, I remember I wrote something along those lines last at the end of last year, that it didn't make sense to start him so many games. Like, you needed to think that he was going to play another two months after the season. Like, that needed to be well, it their mentality. It had no impact on the standings at all either. Yeah. Like, we knew they were going to finish third last year in the Atlantic. From We knew in, like, end of February that that was going to happen. So why they kept running Anderson out as much as they did, and then he didn't play that well in the, in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. They have to go in with the mentality that, it, like, he, his season is not going to end in May 1st. Yeah. So... What's I mean, I, this year they're obviously pushing to try and catch Tampa, but if it looks like Tampa's too far away from them in like mid-February, they should abandon that plan and really rest Anderson a lot more because he hasn't had good playoffs the last two years when he's played that much. He's been the second best goalie in both series. Right. And like both goalies opposite, have, opposite him haven't been great. Um, but it, it kind of makes me think along the same lines of something we've discussed before that we saw them do just before the Christmas break, but we haven't seen them do, and that's sit some guys in the second half of back-to-backs. If I am them and I'm looking at the way things are going in professional sports, they should get ahead of this curve, and they should start saying to themselves, we need to think longer term, and we need to say, you know what, second half of back-to-back, Ron Hainsey, you're sitting. John Tavares, you're sitting. Like We, we really want to make sure that come April and come playoffs, you guys are fresh. Like. I don't know why when you've got these extra guys who haven't played, I guess they don't have any extra forwards, but like you may as well just rotate in Marincin, rotate in Hall, and give some guys the odd night off. The, the, the hard thing is to convince the coach. Well, Hainsey's the obvious one that should, be, that should sit out sometimes. No-brainer, right? Like he's 37 years old. Like what is the... Right. And, and he like you point seven years old this year. Yeah, and well, like you've pointed out, like it, it allows you to try some things. And if you get into a playoff series and something isn't working, you've at least tried it. Like this is something that's come up with the Raptors a bunch, 
where they've been doing all these different lineups just in case they get into the playoffs in a series and they need to use something that's a little bit different. And what happened in the past is like they had these rotations that come playoff time they were kind of stuck in. And it's like the same thing with Hainsey. Like if you get into the playoffs and you're getting served on that that top pair, wouldn't it be nice if in your back pocket you know that we can put we had a bunch of good games where Riley was on the right D or or yes. something. Yeah. At least we've tried it. We know we have that in our back pocket because like you look at their top four on defense, they don't have anything in their back pocket. Like they nothing has changed. Well, they run out the same thing for a year and a half now. Yeah. So Anyway. I, it feels like they're going to acquire a defenseman, doesn't it, by the deadline? I just don't know who that would be. You know who makes sense that people have talked about a little bit is that Radko Gudis guy who could be like a second pair right D. I don't think that makes sense. No? No. I think but he's better than what they got. But I think he's got one more year in his deal after this one. That's not – and, and Dubas made this point when he talked to Pierre Lebrun is the rent – and granted, Gudis is not a rental, as you point out. But he made the point that the rental market – they're not guys that make enough of a difference. Yeah. And Radko Gudis isn't changing your world. Like, if you're going to make a trade, make a trade. Like, if you're going to make a trade, make a trade for Alex Petrangelo. The problem is it's going to cost you. And then you have to be comfortable with the cost. And you have to be comfortable with paying Petrangelo next year, too. They have to anticipate there's going to be injuries on defense, too. Like, there really haven't been any this year so far. And they've been fortunate in that respect. And I think that Dermot has had some real tough games the last... Mm-hmm. What do we want, seven or eight? Sure. Ojaganov, probably longer than that. Hall has played two games all year. Like, they don't really have... And is there anyone on the Marlies that you feel excited about coming up? Well, Kelly Rosen, I think, can play on a third pair. But, like, if, if they have an injury on the right side, they're... I mean, I guess Hall goes in, but, like, they're not in a good spot. But they need to upgrade the top of that defense. So I guess the question I would ask you is... If Doug Armstrong comes to you and says, you know what, we're, we're willing to move Petrangelo, but it's going to cost you. And it's going to cost you, let's say, I don't know, what Kapanen would it cost you? Kapanen, a pick, and something else. Do it? That's really tough. Or maybe it costs you Lilligren and something else. The other thing you've got to try and figure out is if you can make the cap work with him, right? And, like, are you, are you going to be able to resign him? Probably not. Well, no. Is I, it just going to be a trade for, like, the rest of this year and next year? If I were them, I'd be comfortable with that. I right. would be comfortable with having Petrangelo for two playoff runs and then letting him walk because right. he'll be close to 30, right. if not 30. Right. But then you can't give up too much to make that trade because it's, you know. Okay, so if it costs you Kapanen or it costs you Janssen or it costs you... I mean, if it costs you Lilligren and something else, you do it. If it costs you Janssen or Kapanen, you have to think, but I think you probably still do it. I guess the question is, how much can St. Louis get? Like, you look at the Carlson right. trade that the Senators made yes. to San Jose, and that's for a full a full year, right? A full mm-hmm. year left on the deal. They didn't get a lot. Well, they didn't get anybody like Kapanen or Janssen. Right. Right? I think they got Chris Tierney. Who's like in it? Like Jim, just a Jim roster Mello player. Has played pretty well for them. Roster player, but like not a just a guy. Yeah. And then picks. Right. Bro- so, I don't know. Like if I'm Dubis, I'm I would. And you would think Carlson has more value than Petrangelo, probably. Yeah. So maybe it won't. Maybe it doesn't cost you as much as you think. Maybe it costs you more in futures well, than I mean, it does. I mean, they should definitely be in on those conversations for sure. They should be in on any conversations for a right defenseman that can play in the top four. Yeah. This is, I, so I did the mailbag call-out before Christmas. I still haven't finished writing it. And, like, I, I think I got 140 questions. 
And a huge percentage of them are about what are they going to do in defense? What are they going to do in defense? And it's been like that. It's been like that for like two years. Mm-hmm. That any time you you and when I put out a tweet saying we're doing a podcast, what do you want us to talk about? It's always this because it's a real issue. Like yeah. it, it's it's really hard. And I wrote this after a game when they played in Columbus, and I think I know they lost that game. But um, one of the, the thoughts I had after that game is like it's really hard to envision. Uh, Ron Hainsey being able to get through four rounds against top lines. He didn't like it, get through one round last maybe, year. He didn't get, like, they were at like 35% possession, him and Riley in that series. It's So then and, not only are you, is the other team's top line spending a lot of time in your own end, Riley's spending a lot of time in yes. your own end. And like he's, as we've seen this year, he's such a good offensive weapon. Mm-hmm. It's They've kind of changed the defensive assignments a little bit for the, like Riley's spending more time in the offensive zone, starting more shifts in the offensive zone, and it's come back down a little bit. Well, actually, that's not totally true. In November, it came back down a bit, and then in December, it went back up to like fifty-seven percent ozone start percentage. Um, but yeah, but they're still matching up against top lines. Like that's still their general assignment. The thing is, like Kyle Dubas would know all this stuff. Like he knows. I'm sure he knows. That Ron Hainsey is not an ideal fit on their top pair, but it goes back to that question: like, who do you get, and what does it cost you? Well, they don't want to. They don't want to panic, and it's not panicking. They don't want to force a trade that they'll regret. Yes, they want to be methodical about it. And what's the what's the phrase that that Dubas likes? The trust the process, or oh, he's all about process. Like that's his big Isn't thing. That, that's a basketball thing, right? Seventy six. That's seventy six years. Yeah. yeah, Sam Hinkie. Sam Hinkie. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I was going to ask you about you. You were talking. You follow the Raptors closer than I do. Um, hopefully, the people that uh, we, we got to talk about our sponsor too a little bit more. But hopefully, um, the people that listen to the podcast are who are basketball fans also read uh, Blake Murphy and, and Eric Kareen, the stuff that they do. And obviously, the big game with San Antonio is coming up this week. Um, what I was going to ask you about the Raptors: Do you think the Raptors are more progressive under Masai in the way that they're doing a bunch of these things than the Leafs are? Like, I know that the Leafs are considered to have a progressive front office, but we haven't really seen a lot of really big changes yet in terms of them trying different things. And mm-hmm. Do you think the Raptors are are better at that, or do you think it's just because the NBA is better at that? Or? I think it's the NBA. The, Le- the NBA is more progressive than pretty much any of the leagues. So they, like, this, this thing that we're talking about with rest... Like, this, the San Antonio Spurs have been doing this for, like, a really long time. In the last couple of years, it's caught on with the rest of the league where they're like, hmm, you know what, we're going to give so-and-so the night off for rest. Well, like, how many games is Kawhi going to play this year? 65? 60-something. Yeah. and that's, he's, he's like Frederick Anderson. Just way better. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say the Raptors are more... Less Danish. Yeah. Well, but, like, the the Raptors, the Raptors had a sports science division before... The Leafs. That was part of why they went and hired Jeremy Bettle is because there was a sports science division with the Raptors, and then they, they brought in Bettle. Memory, did Bettle come from through basketball? Brooklyn yeah, Nets, Yeah, he right? was a Brooklyn Nets strength right. coach. Um, yeah, did a whole story. So there story are some it. different things. Yeah, the, the Bettle story you did last year was great. There are some things that the Leafs have started to do that are unusual compared to two or three years ago where I've found their practices are a lot shorter than they used yep. to be. They're, they have a lot more off days than they used to. Like, okay, so this week is a good example. They've had two days off. They had Sunday off, and then they had New Year's mm-hmm. Day off. And I think in the past, I know in the past, under Ron Wilson and Randy Carlisle, 
they would have been like, there's no effing way we're giving the players um, one uh, a short practice on the 31st and then a day off on the 1st yep. because we know what they're going to do on the night of the 31st. I didn't see anybody at practice today that looked like they were hungover or whatever. But, I mean, like that used to be the mentality where it's like, We'll have like a 10 a.m. practice on. Don't you remember? Like we were covering those those Wilson teams. Early, I remember basically there were early, no early, there early. were no off days. It was like they practice if they didn't have a game for a few days, they practice every day in between. It was well, like because you and I would go to every single one back then, right? Like yeah. now we kind of trade off sometimes a little bit because we're together. And, yeah, but we used to, and it was just it felt relentless. And not only that, but I remember with Carlisle, like they would play a game, and then sometimes they would practice the next morning, like early. Mm-hmm. Now the Leafs. When they practice the day after a game, we always know when it's going to be noon. Well, and part of that's the CBA. Like, they mandated it that you couldn't practice. You couldn't ask guys to be at the rink a certain amount of hours after a game. I think I it's like eight or nine. No, it's more than that. It's like it's got to be like 12 hours. I think it's like 10. Is it 10? Okay. But you can still get guys in it for 10 in the morning, I think. Or like, yeah. or maybe it's 12. Because the games all end at like whatever. Yeah. But anyway, like the Leafs go even a step further and make the practices at noon. Whereas, like, I remember Carlo, I think, having 9.30s after the game, a game, the day after a game. And, like, that's that's really, really quick turnaround. I remember one time, and you might remember the game, it, they played in Arizona. Um, and it was the game, I believe. That, was, re- a, that was a Ron Wilson. It was a Ron Wilson yeah. game. And do you remember uh, Wilson? And this, is, smoke, this, right? is effinite, like, f- this is insane that this happened. And imagine it happening now. He sat... Remember he sat Thomas Caberlet the entire first period, I believe it was? He didn't play him a shift. Like, it was like a very big fuck you. Sorry. Um, and then the next morning, because I was traveling with the team at that point, I, I think it was that next morning they practiced at like 9.30 in the morning. In Arizona? In Arizona yeah. before flying. And it yeah. was like, oh my, this is insane. It might right. have been and it was like a bank skate too, right? Yes. And, yeah. and it's like that kind of stuff you what can't get away 2009? with. 2009? Something like 2010? that. 2010? Yeah, yeah, that was like right around when I started covering the team, I think. Yeah. And that was a big deal. Like, that was all... I remember that was all over Sports Talk Radio. And What a shitty thing to do to a guy. Like, come on, man. Ron had that, like... Like, I actually liked Ron Wilson a lot of the time, but then he would do things, and it's like... It was just, like, indefensible. That was just, like... Yes. He had, like, a little bit of, like, a meanness to him. Yeah, he could be an ass... Yeah. You know what? Yeah. But I think, like, if you were, like, friends with him, that he was, like, he was such a, he was a smart, interesting person. Well, what's interesting is, like, the people who worked for him said he was a great guy to work for. So, and Randy Carlyle, yeah. not as not, much. Not the same, yeah. So, yeah. so what, do I think that they are at that point yet, the Leafs? No, but I think they're trending in that direction. I think it helps having Dubis because, like, he wants to be forward thinking. I think I'm monitoring some stuff for a potential story about what they're doing. Um, they're aware of the Raptors, and I think they want to steal stuff about how they develop players. Like if you look at, I don't the, think any of their guys can skate though over there, not very well anyway. Oh God! <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, actually, let's take a second. The podcast you, is brought to you, you by. Just looked at me like, what are you talking about? Yes, the podcast is brought to you by the Athletic. Uh, go to theathletic.com/slash/leafreport, and you get forty percent off. Can you imagine if you put one of those like seven foot guys in a goal? Valanchunas? How tall is Valentin? Like, he's like seven feet. Well, isn't one of the goalies? I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He's like six seven. Bishop is. Yeah. Ben Bishop's six seven. Dubnik's six six. Yeah. So anyway, you mentioned Blake Murphy. You mentioned Eric Kareen. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the Athletic, 
those are two really good reasons why if you're a Raptor fan. Um, but basically, if you're a sports fan at all, and obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you are, every single team, you can find really good coverage uh, about that team. Like, I know I have, like, diverse interests in terms of, like, the teams that I want to follow. And sometimes, like, I'll just be watching a random basketball game, and I will flip to find out what's going on about the Pelicans, and I'll read a couple Pelican stories. Like, that's what's really cool for me. Did you read that one on Mike Piazza with the soccer team in Italy? I haven't finished it. I started it. It's long, and it's crazy from what I understand. I love it. Like, I'm a... I'm not as well-rounded a sports fan as you are. I'm mostly hockey, so I read... Like, I read all of our big features that we get out of our different markets. You know, if there's something good on the on the Hurricanes that Sarah Sivian's written, or... Jesse Granger on on Vegas or Ryan Clark on Colorado. I it's interesting getting their perspectives. It's interesting as a company having someone around every team every day, mm-hmm. not just NHL. We have someone around every team in the whole in in every major sport. Um, <clears throat> anyway, like if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, we're still running a promotion through our podcast. Uh, go to theathletic.com/leafreport, all lowercase, and it's it's a hell of a bargain. That's that's as cheap as you're going to be able to subscribe and. You know, a lot of people have been signing up through our podcast, and that encourages the company to invest more in the podcast, and we're going to be getting new equipment, and we're going to be recording more often, and, you know, the goal for us with a podcast is eventually to get to the point where we're recording twice a week, and where it's it's really a, a, a major part of our routine. It might even get to the point where after a big game, like playoff games, we start doing short podcasts and putting them out. And We did that last year. We did it the next day. Oh. But... I guess the night of would be hard to do, but we should do it the next day. For sure. We should keep doing it all the way through the playoffs. You can hear us slowly uh, collapse into <laughs> exhaustion. Man, if they ever go on a long run, and it looks like they will. Well, we need to pace ourselves the way Fred, they need to pace Freddie <laughs> Anderson and Ron Hainsey. We need to take some more rest days. I think we have. I think we've done good with that. By the time Game 7 came against Boston, I had the flu, and I was, like, not functioning. I was on, like, major cold medication. <laughs> But the story was still good. You were like, um, instead of typing your story, you were like voicing it and having the computer type it. You were just so as gone. As soon as they get that to work well, then that'll be great. Yeah, I don't trust her right now. Um, let's talk a little bit about the All-Star Game, just because I think next I'm week... I'm going! Is... Are you? Yeah, I'm going to that. Oh, man. Good luck. Um, so have fun! So the question is, who's going to be... Where are you going to go? You're going to be in like Tahiti or something. I don't know. We, we haven't nailed it down, but... So the question is, who's going to join you in San Jose? So we know Austin Matthews is going to be there. Um, I think they'll announce it next week is when they lo- when they usually announce it, the second week of January. Um, well, Leafs PR guy Scott McNaughton said he's not going, so they're sending a different PR team for the game. Yeah, but I think they're going to send two guys. So they're going to have at least two. The question is, are they going to have three? Um, if you had to pick, if you had to rank it, not who you think, who should be there, Let's say there's only two, and you can only give one more guy the nod. And it's obviously Marner or Riley. Which would you pick? Well, the whole thing got really awkward when Austin Matthews got voted in. Not that I don't think that he's deserving or one of the best players. It's just that he was hurt and that he might not have gone if the fans didn't vote him in. I mean, like, good on the fans for voting him in, but it makes it really awkward because I think Riley is a no-brainer just because if you look at who his competition is on defense, like, I can't... It's difficult to come up with three... It's difficult to come up with other defensemen that are more to... Like, you look at... Riley leads NHL defensemen in points. How do you not send him to the All-Star game? He's deserving. I mean, he should go. But then it's... 
I think it's him. I think that I think that it's Riley. And that's not a slight to Marner at all because I think he should go to the All Star game too. It's just they're running out of spots. I think I agree, but like Marner's like sixth in league scoring. Like how the hell could he not be there? They should probably send three. But the, can you send three Leafs and two Lightning? That's or, the question. Can you or can you not? Why not? Like you could. Do you have room to do that? Yes. So the way, like, I wrote a story about so this. So Lightning fans are going to be like, but the Lightning fans had, they, didn't they have five guys there last year or something? I think they had four last year. I think they had Stamkos, Kucherov, um, Hedman, and Vasilevsky, I think. And I think it was a story that they, they had send, four. Am I, didn't they send, like, Sergeyev or something at the last minute because someone was hurt or something? Maybe just as a replacement. I can't remember. But do you think it's okay, like, if the team that's the best in the league has less guys than the team? I don't think it matters. The pro- I mean, the th- if it was, like, the Leafs and they did that to them or the Habs or something, I think there would be more complaints, whereas it's, like, Tampa and they had the All-Star game last year. And if well, they send two guys, then uh, Joe Smith, the lightning writer for us, wrote that they might only get one guy and it will be Kucherov. And I, I think they're going to get two. Well, the, the thing for them is, like, the guys who should conceivably be in the mix have had, like, different years. Like, Vasilevsky was hurt for a month, so that kind of punches him out. Uh, Hedman was hurt for a bit. His numbers are a bit down. He still seems like he he would have a shot. But the only other guy who who should be a slam dunk, I guess Stamkos you could throw in the mix. Uh, his Braden numbers Point. are good. Is Braden Point like Braden Point should be there with with Kucherov? The problem is they're in, running out of forward. I spots. went into this, this in the story. They're running out of forward spots. Like there's just not enough. Um, it's they just need to figure out the system. Like you shouldn't be not having all your young stars there if you can. Trying to think in their division. Well, I mean, Jeff Skinner should probably be there too, and he's not going to be able he to go. No, he has no chance. Like, I mean, Tavares could well, be. Michael's hurt. Oh well, that could change it. Tavares is, like could be leading the league in goals, and like he's <laughs> he has he has literally no chance. He doesn't have any chance of going. It's yeah. insane. That's what I don't like about the All Star. I mean, not that it, it really matters. Like, I'm sure some people are going to be like, "Who who cares who's at the All Star game?" Like, it doesn't. I don't ever watch the game. No. Ever. Yeah. I don't even know if. I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. <laughs> it's so bad. I guess I have to go if I'm there. Why don't they just cancel the actual game and just have, like, the skills competition, have all the, yeah, I the kinda like stuff the around that? And the... the game is pointless, and then you could just have as many guys as you want. I haven't been. The Globe never covered the All-Star game. And Did you go for us last year? No, I don't think we even sent anybody. No. I haven't been to the All-Star game since Montreal in 2009. And I went to a lot of the fan stuff before the skills, and it was it's good. It's like it's a good like fan. Like when my son's like eight or nine years old, if he wants to go to an all star sure. game somewhere, then I would totally take him to that. But you're right, the game is. Do you remember liking the all star game when you were a kid? Though, like I remember yeah. going to school like grade three, and we're in the schoolyard, and we're like, oh. Lemieux, uh, Lemieux's playing on the same team as Gretzky tonight. I gotta watch the or on Saturday or, or Sunday. The game used to be on Sunday afternoon. Oh, Lemieux's gonna be playing with Gretzky. They're gonna be like the best line ever. And like we used to like. Yeah. That's my little kid. Voice. I think I remember like playing like NHL '97 and like I liked playing. Yeah, I liked playing the All Star teams because like you could play Gretzky yeah. with Lemieux or like you, you'd have all these crazy yeah. lines and that was fun. Yeah, but. I remember being into it and liking those jerseys. Like they used to do yeah. the Wales Conference versus Campbell Conference, and they have like the orange and the black. And yeah, I remember when they did the. I think it was at the Toronto All Star Game where they did North America versus the World. Was that Toronto? Yeah, and there's like teal and purple or whatever. Yeah, 
The, the problem, like, the, 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 the issue I think they've run into you is... You just make it for kids entirely, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, the game should just be, like, just, like, make super teams. Yes. And they can just, like, do dumb stuff. And, the, like, the three-on-three three makes sense, I But guess. just having six forwards is too little per division. Like, that's stupid. Like, you're... I mean, you shouldn't have... And you shouldn't also have to send someone from each team. That's no. also dumb. That's what I would Like, argue. if you're, if you're going to have to send Carey Price, who has, like, a 905 save percentage because you need a rep from Montreal, and you're going to send Jimmy Howard, who's 35, like, come on. Well, probably... That's stupid. Probably Carey Price is like, come on, guys. Like, he's like, <laughs> I don't want to go. I'm not even deserving this year. Well, he's probably there, and he's like, yeah, I'm an all-star. Yeah. It doesn't make... It, like... It should just be the best who the players having the best season. Yeah, I like, mean, remember the year that Joffrey Lupo went? He was having that huge start, and yeah. it was like a. I remember I, that was one of my uh, story that I really really liked doing. I talked to his dad about how hard his comeback was, and they they were worried that he wasn't gonna, you, you know, like his injury was so bad, and you know, there's some really good stories about guys like that, like Skinner's one. Like, sure. although Skinner's been to an All Star game, I think for Carolina. Yeah. But there's some days there are guys that are like late twenties, early thirties, and they get to go to their first one, and it means something to them. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of another example, but there definitely have been. Guys. Well, I think that was the year Lupul, Kessel, and Fanuf all went. Yes. How about that in Ottawa, right? Yeah, I believe actually, if that was the Ottawa one, Drake performed, and that was like before he was like he was already a, a hit, but he wasn't like Drake, Drake. And it's now it's like they could never. Well, get I think him obviously. performing in that All Star game is what put him over the top in his career. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, lots of coverage there. That Ottawa All Star game. Okay, uh, so we've we think it'll be. I th- I still think they're going to have three. Just to kind of conclude it, I think Marner will be there. I think Riley will be there. I think Matthews will be there. The the one thing to remember with this that that also is kind of weird is the fans vote in the last guy. Oh yeah. So if Marner's like right. one of the last guys, so they probably don't put Marner on the team, and then it goes to a vote, and then Leafs fans stuff the ballot, and Marner gets in. That makes sense. That seems we just good. figured it out. Now we know what's going to happen. Done. Did you put that in your story? No, I didn't put the fan vote stuff in. It gets too complicated trying to explain each it's kind of. We just figured it out right now. Well, but like to get to get Marner there, like you need kind of need like Keith Yandel to be the Florida rep, and like anyway. Well, I, I mean, Again, like Barkov's so great. Like, I know, and like, don't you want your like twenty three, twenty four year old star? Barkov is it like everyone talks about how he's a good defensive forward? Like his hands and like the moves he makes are amazing. Like in a situation like that, he's going to be great. Yeah. If you had to do that that draft over again, and it was between him and McKinnon, who would you take first? Still McKinnon. McKinnon's awesome. Yeah, but Barkov is like. I think if Barkov was on a good team, with playing with really good players. That he would get a lot more attention. Well, it's enough of this underrated stuff. You can't be underrated if everyone always says you're underrated. At some point, you just are rated. But like, what I mean is like his point totals would be higher, oh, and he would be playing sure. in more high-profile games. And then like, well, look at last year. Like with Kopitar is a good example where he had 92 points, and suddenly he's a Hart Trophy candidate. You know what I mean? Like it's just like that one. Yeah, but Kopitar's won a couple cups and whatever. Like he's like been in a spotlight. Right, but like he had that rep for so long as like he was underrated and like he's the one of the best two way centers in the league. You know what I mean? No, nobody's talking about him. No, or the Kings. And that contract is going on for a long time. Um, what? Couple more things. Again, podcast brought to you by the Athletic and by, of course, Bab socks in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, get some get get some Mario Lemieux socks. I wear mine. Yeah, he's got great hair in that one. First day out of the wash, I get some Marlon Mew socks. You and I were looking at his numbers the other day, and for some of those seasons, they're just like insane. Like he had sixty nine goals in sixty games. He was my favorite player when I was like ten, and those Penguins teams were just like 
Lemieux was such a beautiful player to watch. Yeah. Just so, he was like big and graceful and he just didn't look like anyone else on the ice. We've talked about this on the podcast before. I, I loved Mario. Yeah. It was such a shame that he was hurt as much as he was. Because he could have, you know, he could have, he had, he had one year with 199 points. He could have, he could have done that a lot of years. Well, is there a case that he was, a, I don't know if this is blasphemy, that he's a better player than Gretzky? I don't remember Gretzky's like really early years that well. Cause I was it, too young. Yeah. It's hard for me to say. I mean, you can watch the video and stuff like that. I think that they were comparable talent. Okay. Um, William Neander has been back now just over a month. Actually, right around a month, not even a month. Maybe by the time you listen to it, it's been a month. Does he still only have two points? He still only has two points. He hasn't scored. By the time you listen to this, he may have scored against Minnesota, so who knows. When you talk to him today, did he, like, break down and... No, he seems okay. He seems okay. okay about it. He seems okay. Like, the hard thing... I think, so, the interesting thing with him is... A, you knew people were going to be impatient, whether it's media, whether it's fans. It's a really hard thing to miss that much of the year and then catch up. Like, I always expected him to be quiet for a while. I, I guess I didn't one... think it would be this quiet, though, did you? Yeah, I mean, like, the one mistake... Points? So, I wrote a story... He's one of the highest producing offensive teams in the league. Yeah. His shooting percentage is really low, so there's that. So, that's going to change. Um, he's, like, a lot of the underlying numbers are about what they should be. Um, he The thing is, like, most nights you don't notice him. Um, yeah. Against the Islanders, he had five shots. I think he's getting closer. I think a month is probably what it should take him when you've missed that much time. he was decent against Columbus. Yeah, like, he's he's had moments where it looks like he's there. Um, I'm writing about this today for The Athletic, so maybe my story will be out by the time this is up. Um, I think playing with Matthews is a good idea. Uh, I think yes. that's a way he and doesn't. Janssen too, I think that's going to be a great line. That's an interesting line, right? Like yeah. that's a fast line. Um, well, Janssen's looked great. Yeah. Practice today, he looked. He was putting it top shelf, and he's like. So one of the sneaky things for them this year is like his production is up there now, right? Yeah. Like, well, because if you look at the last like fifteen games, Janssen's one of their best producers. Yeah, and he looks like it. Like he looks, he looks again like he did. With the Marlies, he looks again like he did at the second half, or not the second half, when he played with the Leafs those last few games and in the playoffs. He's fast, he's skilled, he's like persistent, he's hard on the puck. He's good. Like and and it's it's really important for them that he's come around because like it gives them so many options. I think it's gonna be fascinating, maybe not fascinating, but interesting when Hyman comes back, um, what ends up happening. I think Hyman will go back with Tavares and Marner. Right now Brown is in that spot. Um, but suddenly, like they're just a lot deeper because Kapanen's now a player. Um, Brown's, had a, Brown's had a tough year. You know, he's, yeah, he's come around a bit of late. I think he's looked better. He's produced a bit more. Um, but Neilander, I just think this was expected, and I regret when I wrote a story about what his impact would be when he came back that I didn't put in big bold letters at the top. This will not months. happen right away. Right. Um, but and yet they've still ripped off tons of wins. I'm a bit concerned that if this goes on for like another two or three weeks, that the the criticism that Nylander gets is going to start to ramp up. There's going to start to be some pretty spicy takes in the media over the it was the contract was the wrong thing to do and maybe, but like they're still the, the thing for, that's good for him is they're such a good team that they can get by when he does nothing. Like they have they they lost badly, they got hammered by the Islanders, but like I think they had won five of six or five straight before that. So like nobody, it doesn't become a thing when the team wins. It becomes a thing when the team sucks and like he's one of the only guys. 
they can win when he doesn't do much. They're just that deep. I remember talking to Eric Duhachik about um, about the Nylander situation, just like informally, and he always said that the the one that stood out for him was Johnny Gaudreau and how far behind he was. And he didn't even miss any games. He came, he missed all of camp, and he came back and and. Eric said he couldn't believe how far behind Gaudreau was and how long it took for him to get back. I'm trying to look up. I'm just looking up how many points Gaudreau had that year. That was, no, I mean, is that? I looked at that. It was like the first like 15 games or 10 games or something, and then the rest of the year Gaudreau was a point per game. Eventually, like he he was just the same guy. Okay, so Gaudreau the year before he signed the deal, he had a 30 goal season, uh, point a game, and then. The year after, when he missed all of camp, he only had 18 goals and 61 points in 72 games. So mm-hmm. there was definitely uh, a step back. And Erickson, I mean, he called it. He's like, it's going to take him. He said it's going to take people a lot. It's going to take him a lot longer than people think. Well, and, and Nealander missed way more time than Goudreau. Yeah. Goudreau didn't miss right. any games. Like, right. I think Goudreau signed the day before camp or the day before the season. What do you think it is that makes it so... Is it that everybody else is just like... Yes. On another level than you? And yeah. Everybody else is like has been playing for two months. Their conditioning is up. Their sharpness. Like you know how shouldn't they be like tired out because they've like been like through this like meat grinder with the travel and everything. And no, it's it's like You know what it shows? It shows how important training camp and preseason actually is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why preseason games, part of why they look like shit is because like the players aren't ready to play at regular season capacity. I would make two comparisons to what it's like on smaller levels you know when you haven't worked out in a while and you work out that first day or like you go for like when i go for a run and i haven't run for like two weeks it's brutal and then the next one i'm dreading my next beer league game i haven't played in three weeks okay and so like the first game sucks and then you and then you go for another run you feel a little better and then you go for another run this is fucking professional sports this is the, the the best league in the world uh it's funny though because you see nylander in person like you were talking to him today and it like he's Big, like he, in, like in a good way. Like it looks like he's yeah. really put on a lot of muscle. He looks strong. He looks yep. like he he he's got his like man strength to yes. him now that he didn't have you know two years ago. Yep. But it's not translating into what's happening. Well, and because I, you're just not as sharp. Like think about like how you feel when you haven't written a story for a few <laughs> weeks. Like you're just you just you just don't do it as well because like you're out of rhythm. You're out of routine, and it would just be the same thing. Like. um I remember him telling me in one of the first games, like he had a chance to shoot in the slot and he was just late in, in getting it off and he didn't get a shot. And it's just like everything is a little bit not yeah. no, as crisp as it good, usually is. That's a good comparison. The first story when you haven't written in like two weeks, it's after. It's hard. Yeah. And it takes a while. and You then just like, crap something out and you're like, okay, that's good. Let's go on to the next one. Yes. Then, yeah. And so what he told me is like he said um, the first four or five games he felt fine. And then the next bunch after that, he felt terrible. And you can understand that. Like the first little bit, there's probably a bunch of adrenaline. He's feeling good. He's happy to be back. And then it's like it catches up to you. Um, And he has no points since, like he had two points against Carolina. Like all his points came in one game. All his points, two of them. Um, But anyway. I I think getting him back with Matthews and maybe even go Hyman, Matthews, Nylander again when Hyman's back. Just to like... This worked. We did this for two years. Let's like get all these guys going again. And yeah. it doesn't necessarily. I don't know if they're going to do that or not. I think Janssen's like a nice fit there. Oh yeah, and I think one of the interesting that's little, who I would put there. Yeah, it's like one of the interesting little subplots right now is like Matthews. Granted, Matthews spent a few games with, with uh, Marlowe, 
But Marlowe shouldn't be playing on your top line. Like, Marlowe should be on... Well, and I don't think Marlowe has very good chemistry with Matthews either. No, like, it hasn't worked. It doesn't work. It doesn't look right. No, and, like, Johansson has the speed. He's got the skill. He's got, like... It fits better with what Matthews does. So... And I think that Janssen fits better with Matthews even than Hyman. I think that Janssen mm-hmm. is... He's a good cycle player. Well, but he with, also has skill to finish these chances. Like, you've seen yeah. some of the goals he scored when he's played with Matthews. Yeah. Hyman can't do that. He just isn't skilled enough to do it. Right. So, no, I'm as you as you know, I'm like I'm super high on Johnson. I was shocked at how bad his start was and his camp was, and had him on the fourth line and all that stuff. I mean, I I think that he can be a real difference maker for them. Yeah. Well, apparently this has been a thing for him before. Like slow start. He's he's a notoriously slow starter. It was the same thing with the Marlies. So. Just like too much. Too much of that uh, pickled herring back home and herring sitting, on the, sitting on the dock. It's, you go to like a Seven Eleven or whatever they call it in Sweden, and it's like all—it's all these like dried fish and stuff. It's—it's—it's. It's, it's, I don't know. Hey, we can't criticize European eating habits. They eat way better than us. Yeah, you were just saying how you crush McDonald's every day on the break. Yeah, uh, it wasn't great. Um, what do you go? Do you go like Big Mac or what's your McDonald's? I'm a big Big Mac meal really? fan. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It's, it's so nasty. The thing with it, like, it is you feel really good when you have it, and then like after you're like, why did I do that? <laughs> your body, wow. Yeah, it's like putting the wrong fuel in your tank and in a gas car. Oh, it's okay. It's all good. Um, so one more thing before we wrap. You have nine, ten minutes on your parking. Um, uh, the guy's not standing there watching. So one of the interesting little things, and people may not have caught this, and why would they? And it hasn't even really been talked about that much. Is the Leafs, A, don't carry any extra forwards. And they do this thing with, with Trevor Moore where when they're a bunch of days off, they send him down. Um, I noticed when they were on their road trip through wherever that was, Florida, they didn't have an extra forward. They've they've done these little things that kind of look like they're onto something or they're doing something. What are they doing? They're a bit worried about their cap space, which is surprising because I know that we talked. One of the things that I think gets misunderstood sometimes with the NHL is that injuries hurt your cap space. Like you need you need cap room if you have injuries, and the Leafs do right now. They've got Ennis is out and Hyman is out. And uh, Anderson is out. So for all of those absences, they need to recall a goalie for when Anderson is hurt. So hmm. there's, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't, when I say concerned, I, I don't want to make it sound like this, like, oh, we're in trouble. It's just, they're just, they're managing the situation as best they can. Um, but when you have those injuries and you have to recall someone, that eats little bites into your cap space. So. Well, and so all these little times where they can save... They, they want to put themselves right? in the best position possible to add. Like, let's say they want to add two good players at the trade deadline. They want to be able to do that. They don't want to get into a situation where, like, let's say they can acquire a Petrangelo who makes 6.5, I think. Right around there. They don't want to be in a situation where that's going to be hard to fit in. And the other thing, too, is that, like, if they continue to have more injuries, which is possible, sometimes teams can have five or six guys hurt mm-hmm. all at the same time you got to keep calling up more players from the Marlies. Those contracts count against your cap for as long as they're there. And all of a sudden you get tighter and you get tighter and you get tighter. And it can get tougher. Now, if you're making a trade for a Petrangelo, you could, there could be, um, you could, you could dump bad salary. You could, you could push money out the other way. Hmm. Um, 
but they just want to give themselves as much flexibility as possible. And I've been surprised how aggressive they've been with with the the daily recalls and demotions and everything. Well, it's like to give a couple examples. Like you mentioned, the goalies um, when the, when they have a day like today, and we're recording this on Wednesday. They didn't practice with the second goalie who's going to be on their team. They practiced with the university goalie. Save space. Um, it's just like, it's interesting. Um, and this is like why you have Brandon Pridham, is you have someone who is like intimately as anyone familiar with the CBA and the cap. And like, I guess he's he's told them like, if you, if you can save every little bit, it counts towards the end of the year. What's the league minimum this year? I think it's 650, right? Yeah. So you divide that by how many days there are in the season. So if you have a league minimum guy and you send him down for one day, you save uh, $3,495 every day. And that doesn't sound like very much, but you times that. If you do that 20 times, that's seventy grand, And that doesn't sound like a lot. But when you get to the trade deadline, there's only 22 23% of the season left. That, uh, I forget what the number was that I just said. That seventy grand times that by 4.1 or 4.2 or whatever and then all of a sudden you're talking about now you got an extra like 300 grand that you can bring in on a player and all of a sudden it's you know you're you're opening more and more space and that's just by sending a league minimum player down, up and down 20 times mm-hmm. it would they haven't been burned is probably too strong a word but like there hasn't been a situation where they weren't carrying an extra forward on a road trip and someone got hurt or someone I guess got they sick. Would just play 7d they just play an extra d and i guess they've 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 been like you know what in the scheme of things, like if that's the worst that happens, whatever. Part of why they're so tight is because the Nathan Horton contract's not on LTIR. Like I think next year they'll be able to use LTIR with Horton's contract and then go over the cap. And no. well, and the other thing that you've told me and that your story, uh, by the time you're reading this, the story should be up or close. Um, is the bonuses for some of the young guys right? And they're not in the next year. They have hardly any of those performance bonuses. So basically, the thing to keep in mind is that if you use LTIR, long-term injured reserve, to put an injured player um, off your cap, um, then all the bonuses get pushed forward to the following season. So, you know, the Leafs are in a situation where they have a lot of those performance bonuses for young players. Uh, Marner and Matthews are the big ones. But there are other guys. Lindholm has potential bonuses. Ojekanov has potential bonuses. They may not hit. I think there's, I think, I don't know if, I don't know, think Dermott actually has any. Depends like sometimes some of it depends where they're drafted or if they're um, those free agents that you bring over from Europe. You a lot of teams have to incentivize them with the bonuses because um, other teams are are making that offer with those bonuses included. So, right. huh. and even if Lindholm only hits, I'm trying to think what kind of a bonus he could hit. Maybe he gets one for plus minus or like some weird thing that you know. It, some of the bonuses are like top six on the four among forwards and plus minus or. I'm trying to think of another thing that potentially he could hit, but like it's or, or like Ojeganov or whatever, it's it's unlikely they're going to get bonuses, but the team still has to be aware that potentially that could happen. I think this will make a lot more sense when they read your story. Ugh. No pressure, right? <laughs> it's just hard to explain some of this stuff. Um, well, it's just interesting that yeah, they're 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 more wary of their cap situation, obviously. Um, that I thought they would be at this point. If they didn't have any injuries, it would make it simpler. And if they run into more injuries, it gets more complicated. And like like I said, like the trade deadline, they want to be aggressive at that. So, yeah. you know, they want to have as much space as possible. All right. I think that's all we got. Is there anything else? You got 344 left on I'm your parking. I'm not parking. worried about parking. I'm just kidding. Um, 
Although I have gotten a lot of tickets lately, so... You get tickets? Why? It's a long story. I don't really want to get into it. <laughs> right. I don't have a parking spot at my house. Right, you park on the street. You get tickets all the time. It's like... Don't they know that you're allowed? Well, like, sometimes you forget to put your monthly tag on. Like, you have a yeah. tag on your car that's, like, for street parking, because you have to pay for it. Feels like there should be a system where it's they just... should just scan your license plate and it should go, He lives here! And then they move on. Well, then I wouldn't have gotten this ticket. Because, well, like, I, you get a new tag every six months, and sometimes it's, like, it's sitting, like, on the counter or whatever, and it's like, oh, I didn't put it in the car, and then, oh, good, I got a $40 ticket or whatever it is. And anyway, people don't need to know. Ticket like, talk. When you live in, in downtown Toronto, and a lot of the houses don't have parking, and you got to park on the street, and you got to find a spot, and it's, it's a huge pain in the ass. So I'm moving back to Kamloops. <laughs> All right, we'll do the Kamloops Report podcast. Uh, so the podcast, again, brought to you by The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash report. Bab socks in the Socky Hall of Fame. Get your socks for the new year. It's 2019. Uh, we will be back next week. No more hiatuses until the All-Star Game, which James will be at. And then I don't know what we're going to do. So thanks for listening.